The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, and welcome back to the program Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. And what a treat it is for me being a lover of country music that I am. I have on the line with me Grammy Award winning John Barry. Welcome to my program, John. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Well, it's exciting. I know that you're going to be at the Opry, the Orange Blossom Opry in Weirsdale that's coming up uh, actually on the 13th of uh, August, so it's just around the corner. Uh, and John, your story is is really fascinating. I had a chance to read the article that was out in the uh, the online newspaper, Everything Nash, and they did a wonderful job of kind of uh, just boiling down all that's gone on in your life. But uh, tell us a little bit about your background. And for those that uh, are not as aware of your background, where where did you grow up and how did you come to know the Lord to begin with? Well, I'm originally from Aiken, South Carolina. And when I was eight years old, my family moved to the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went from a very small town of Aiken to a very large town of Atlanta. And uh, my my dad was looking for a new line of work. And so we uh, we had some contacts in Atlanta. And, uh, we actually moved. It was I thought it was really cool because my we moved in with my my cousin while my dad looked for a job. Mm-hmm. And so. Our entire family moved into the basement of my cousin's house. I had a big basement there, so we had the beds all lined up along one wall, and and then and I got to see my cousin every single day and go to school with him, and we had a great time. We were great friends, and we lived with him about about two months. And my dad had found a job, and and we moved to twelve oh seven Thomas Road in Decatur, Georgia, which is uh-huh. a suburb of east east side of Atlanta. And uh, we lived there for many years, and that's where I really loved, found my love for music. And and uh, I was uh, coming home from school one day, um, about nine years old, maybe, ten years old. And um, I saw my mom sitting on the side porch of our house reading a magazine or something. And I had a lot on my heart, a lot on my mind, and I went out there to see her, and I didn't really know what to say, and I was kind of scuffing my feet around. And my mom was like, Joey, what, what, what's what's wrong, son? And I said, Mama, nothing's wrong, Mama. <laughs> she said, come here, Johnny. And said, Sit on the swing with me. I sat next to her. And she pulled me up close to her, and she put her arm around me, pulled me up close to her, and she said, you tell your mama what's wrong. I know something's bothering me. And I said, Mama, I've been thinking about stuff they've been teaching me in Sunday school, and I don't understand about it. Jesus dying on a cross and came back from the dead and his blood. They talk about a ghost and it all kind of scares me to death. Oh, man. And she laughed and she said, honey, it's the sweetest story ever told. And she read a few Bible verses to me that day and tried to explain it to me in a way that my little eight, nine year old brain could understand. That's great. And, uh, 
the one Bible verse that she read, though, was one that we all know and I knew, John 3.16. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I knew John 3.16. I'd gone to church my whole life. I'd, every Sunday, every, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, Sunday morning, it was on a John 3.16. was on a, a cream, you know, cream brown and rust-colored cross-stitch in our family room. I knew John 3.16. Yeah. But she read it different. She said, look right here. It says, for God so loves Johnny that he gave his only son. And if Johnny will trust in him, Johnny will have everlasting life. And that was just about the coolest thing I ever heard of. That whosoever stuff I didn't quite understand, but God loved me. I understood that. And that he loved me enough to send Jesus to make a way to him. Mm. And um, that day I said a little short prayer with my mom, accepted Christ, and I asked him to walk with me all the days of my life. And ever since, ever since, and I've been perfect. Hmm. Okay, not perfect. <laughs> I was I've waiting been, for I've the been, boom to fall on that one. <laughs> I've, been, I've, been, I've been forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, did I just hear him say that? <laughs> That's too funny, John. Yeah, every day has not been perfect for any of us. That's no. for sure. But boy, I, I love the love of a mom and just her gentle persistence to pull you in yeah. and kind of, yeah, they know parents know <laughs> kids, <laughs> kids know they think they know, but they don't know just how deeply the parents love them. That's just wonderful. Well, that is the beginning for you. Please, how quickly into your life did uh, this whole thing of music and the love for music. And I know you're a guitar player. How, how did that happen? Well, I'm a guitar banger. I bang on a guitar. I don't, I can't really, I'm not a guitar player. I say, but I, I have friends who are guitar players <laughs> and they would agree I'm not a guitar player. <laughs> but I loved it. I started playing when I was about 12 years old and I, I started high school when I turned 13. And of course, we didn't have middle school back then. And uh, so I started high school with all my friends that I'd gone to elementary school with. And, um, they thought it was pretty cool. I was playing the guitar, and yeah, I carried with me all the time. Played it, just bang around on it. And um, then Thanksgiving break came, and I, I was real involved at high school too. I had I, I knew almost everybody there. My older brother was there. We were both on the cross country team. I was a really really good runner. Um, real involved. This this. Had a great, having a great time. First first semester of of eighth grade high school was awesome. And then over Thanksgiving break, unexpectedly, we moved. Mm. My dad was able to uh, buy a house, and I didn't know he was looking to buy a house. Of course, I was just a kid. And um, so on, on Wednesday, uh, before Thanksgiving, I said goodbye to all my friends, and y'all have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you Monday. Not so much. <laughs> Just like that, you're um, out of there. I was out of there. I was gone. We, wow. we, on, you know, Thanksgiving, we had Thanksgiving dinner, uh, and then on Friday, um, there's a moving van, uh, a U-Haul truck pulled up 
my dad, my dad went got a U-Haul truck that morning. We said, "Don't make any plans this weekend. We got a lot to do." I, I know. It pulled up. There's a U-Haul truck, and we bought a house in Shambly, which was just up the road. Um, to at the time, it seemed like it was like another universe, mm-hmm. and it was compared to my universe I lived in. But um, it was only it was only like nine miles. But it was a, it was five school districts away. <laughs> oh my you know? goodness! So it really was it really was yeah. a big move for you. Oh yeah! I mean, all of a sudden, I went to a school that the only person in the entire building I knew was my big brother, and yeah, you know, he was in tenth grade, and I was in eighth grade, and you know, big brothers don't always have a whole lot to do with younger brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, depending on how it works out, but. Um, so my guitar became my best friend. That's, yeah. That's just the way it was. And, um, I really dove, kind of dove into that. And it was a sort of a place of, of solace, you know, it was a fine, uh, just sort of place to hide actually. And, uh, um, but the, the house we moved into the, on Jefferson street, um, had a basement and and that's where I spent all my time on and over the, uh, over those first couple of years I had you know just sort of created a little music space down there and place to work and, and practice and learn and and uh and then my dad we um we actually built a little recording studio down there. We didn't know what we were doing, we just put up some walls and <laughs> and put a window, put up a window between uh, uh, two of the rooms, and got some gear. And I ended up recording my first three albums in that little space. Is that right? Three albums. I hope no one ever hears. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was four. Maybe it was four. The first oh. four. No, we did three. Three there. Yeah, the first three we did there. And uh, so I did six, and I had three in an uh, outside space. But that's where I, I really learned about recording and learned a lot about recording. How yeah. to do it, more importantly, how not to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What kind of a recorder did you guys use back in that period? Um, we used a, a Tascam, TX Tascam, four-track reel-reel. Yep, that's right. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, I, I have more capabilities on my laptop. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's like everybody says with our phones today. We have more technology with us than they had back with NASA when they landed on the moon. So that's as we've come a long way, haven't we? Well, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. But those days were formative for you and you oh, yeah. learned you obviously learned a lot and there had to be some giftedness that was there. Now, one of the things that I think it's important to say, you're very humble in saying that you are a guitar banger, well, you're not a vocal banger, my man. You you can sing. So where did that happen? Um, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things that just sort of came out. I I grew up. Uh, my mom loved gospel music and and uh, Christian music, and my my dad loved classical piano. Um, he loved to listen to Van Cliburn play the piano. Mm. And uh, different music for a construction worker, but yeah, that certainly is. Um, 
but he, uh, he, he loved it. And, um, and my sister, of course, was listening. You know, she was uh, five years older. She was just listening to, to pop radio. And there's always always different kind of music playing in our house. There's never just one thing. And so my the music I listened to was just kind of all over the place. And and you know, and singing and singing church music and singing hymns and gospel music. There's a tendency to sing every note. Until the next note changes, mm-hmm. and then, or at least until, or until you got to take a breath. <laughs> That's right. You got to breathe in there and, someplace. Yeah, you got to breathe in there somewhere, and, or you got to change notes. And so, I, I personally, I, I think I used to oversing really bad, and um, the rest of you know, it was just what I grew up listening to is that kind of big voice gospel music that you know. And sort of keep singing. Were you into and, quartets uh, back then? No, I, 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 I never really uh, was drawn to that. Um, there, there was a group that I listened to a lot, but it wasn't gospel music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the, the Letterman. Uh, hmm. They were a pop group, mm-hmm. and um, it was just—I think it was three of them, three guys—and. Uh, uh, it, 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 you know, I listen to it now, and they're great harmonies and that kind of stuff. But I, I'm really surprised that uh, you know, a 12 year old kid would have been interested in that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But, you know, I'm kind of weird. <laughs> My goodness, this is uh, really amazing to hear your story and to see the influences. When you think back on the the Christian voices, the artists, who would have been the most influential for you? Uh, Andre Crouch. Oh my! Yep. Andre Crouch and the disciples were awesome. They were so good, and and they did such great heartfelt music and and uh, faith building music. Yeah, just pretty incredible. So you would have leaned more to uh, kind of the R and B side of gospel music than the soul music that Andre would have brought, and I know he right. influenced so many people like. Uh, a, a guy that I met back in the day and became friends with named Tim Archer. And they had uh, this brother and sister and him. They they had a team, the Archers, and they were tra- uh, traveling with Andre back when uh, in the day. And, oh, Andre's songs like uh, It Won't Be Long were, that was amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty, and, and of course, you know, the iconic to the I'll Be the Glory. And- yes. Excellent songs, just amazing pieces of music, and and they they just had a, a, a wonderful way of presenting it. it. Was just really awesome. What an influence that is to have on your life. Uh, you know, we're going to be playing some of John Barry's music coming up, but let's talk for a moment about before we take a break here about an upcoming concert that is not that far away at all. It's on the thirteenth of August, and it's in Weirsdale, and it's at the famous Opry there that is called the Orange Blossom Opry. Have you ever played there before, John? No, I have not. All the years I've traveled up and down the roads and cut cut corners across through, uh, uh, through, uh, through Florida. I've never had an opportunity to play the Orange Blossom, so looking forward to being there. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I've never been there personally either, but I have read a lot about it. And honestly, the uh, artists that they bring in there are top notch. Years ago, when I was in country radio, a guy by the name of Charlie McCoy used to come up from Nashville and sit in on my show with me. He's a big harmonica yeah. player. And Charlie was one oh, yeah. of the first artists that I heard that went uh, as an artist. And he he travels there every now and then and plays at the uh, Orange Blossom Opry in Weirsdale. So that's not that far away uh, from the a lot of our listeners right there in the Villages area. So that's going to be a great night. And you're going to be there with your new album called Find My Joy. Are you going to be playing other songs as well that night? Uh, well, mainly we're doing it as uh, uh, more of my hit. Okay. And uh, um, I'm, I'm hoping I'll get to do a couple of songs off the new album, Find My Joy. Um, but mainly it's a, it's a hit show. Okay, got it. And that's going to be on, again, the 13th of August. And that will be at the Orange Blossom Opry. So you want to be there. John Barry's my guest. We'll be back with him in a moment. And we'll also be playing one of the songs from that new album called Find My Joy. And it's the title cut. So don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. If you need help with your bookkeeping but can't afford to hire a full-time employee, The Good Books Company is your answer. The Good Books Company is a total bookkeeping solution, working with most industries and offering a free, no-obligation discovery session. The Good Books Company can help you clean up and catch up on all your bookkeeping needs. Visit them at goodbooks.com. That's goodbooks.com. Or call 321-356-0774. That's 321-356-0774. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. On the line with me today is country singer John Barry, a man who has not only great talent and some monster hits, has won a Grammy Award, and, uh, but more importantly to that, for us today listening, He's a man of deep faith and a man who has been touched by the Lord. Uh, Your story, like so many singers who are out there and using your voice every day, I I can't think of a more interruptive thing that would have come along uh, for such a man as yourself, for a, a singer who is a professional with their voice, and you get a diagnosis one day from the doctor that is anything but healthy for a singer. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was it's a, a fall of 2018. I was working on a, an album, uh, a, a little EP uh, called Thomas Road, and uh, I had a, a little tickle in my throat that would not, it was so persistent, it would not go away. Um, I explained it felt like I had the skin of a Spanish peanut stuck in my throat. Mm. 
And I've been drinking water like like crazy, you know, and, and just would not go away. Um, then I, I, I was getting ready to go to the Christmas tour, and and I was working on this record. And I, 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 I was like, you know, I, I go see my doctor. So I went and saw my regular doctor, and they took a look, and they thought I had a tonsil infection. And so they put me on a round of antibiotics. I finished the album up, and then we went and did Christmas tour. And got mid- midway through it, and I think this thing is not getting any better. So I got another round of antibiotics and finished the tour up and, and made it through. I didn't have any issues. It's just driving me nuts, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got home, and... I told Robert, I, I said, I, I need to go see a specialist. I need to just call a doctor that prescribed our prescribed the uh, antibiotics, let them know it's not getting any better. Let's go see an ear, nose, throat guy. And so they set one up for uh, January 4th. And I went in, and and, and I, love, I love how God um, directs things. So I walk into Dr. Dr. Spire. I walk into Dr. Spire's office, and he's a fairly young man. He he looks up from his desk and says, John Barry, how you doing? Good to see you again. And I'm like, when did I see you the first time? (laughs) (laughs) Who is this guy? (laughs) Yeah, who is this guy, and how does he know who I am? And uh, he said, well, you really wouldn't remember he said, in 1997, when you had vocal cord surgery, I was an intern on your surgery. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and I said, you are kidding me. He said, no, Dr. Ossoff did the surgery. He said, I'm fully aware of what, what that was. So all of a sudden, this little anxiety went away. Yeah. Now, was that first uh, surgery uh, on like a nodule thing? Yeah, I had a little nodule on vocal Cords oh, back yeah. in 97. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, all of a sudden I felt, okay, this guy, he, everyone's voice is important. Everyone needs to be able to speak and sing and all that stuff. But at least he knows this is what I do for a living. So there was instant level of comfort there, you know. And uh, so I explained to him what I was experiencing and the whole Spanish peanut skin thing. And uh, he said, well, let's take a look. And he gets his little flashlight out and looks down my throat, turns his light off, sits back in his chair, and he said, there's, there's no BS here. Uh, we're complete straight shooters to tell you how it is. I've been doing this a long time. That's throat cancer. Um, just that fast? Just like that. Wow. You could have pushed me over with the, a, a, a whisper of wind. Oh my goodness! There's a lot of things I was expecting. That was not one of them. Mm-hmm. Never the cancer word had never entered my thought pattern. Wow! Ever. Wow! I mean, it was just it never occurred to me that 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 could be something like that. And uh, so we. They set me up an appointment with a, uh, no, actually, also, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Sparr may have done the uh, tonsillectomy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they removed my tonsils. 
and then they did a biopsy of both tonsils. Of course, what we thought was an infected tonsil was a tumor growing out of the tonsil. Oh, my goodness. The other tonsil had a tumor developing inside it. So um, they sent me to Tennessee Oncology, and um, they ended up putting me on a a routine I did uh, radiation for seven weeks, five days a week. Uh, and then I had chemotherapy once a week for eight weeks. Mm. And uh, the, the radiation would drain, slowly, slowly, slowly drain your energy. And if it, it, by the end of it, if there was any energy left, the chemotherapy took care of that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was... It's it a one-two one punch. It, it was the worst thing I've ever been through. I lost 80 pounds. Oh. Um, now, now, prior a year before, my bass player, Michael, had the exact same cancer. And... He told me when he found out this was going going on, he said, he said, I'm not sure what your doctors have told you and if you've heard about doing this or not, but if they haven't, bring it up. He said, get a feeding tube. Mm. He said, he said, you won't survive it without it. Mm. He said, he said, I know. And he said, because Mike's a, Mike's a real healthy, um, make, you know, uh, blend up a bunch of vegetables into a smoothie kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Me not so much. Yeah, and <laughs> gotcha. I, I'm more of a let's go get some fries guy. I think most of us can relate with you well on that one. Yeah. So he said, "You're not going to want to eat." I'm telling you. Uh, and he was right. And I went ahead and got the feeding tube done, and um, I, I still lost almost 80 pounds, even with a feeding tube. Yeah. 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 How long did it take so, after the surgery for you to be able to eat normally? I had a surgery. Uh, the surgery was in February. Treatment started. I'm sorry, in January. The tonsillectomy. Then the treatments for cancer started in February 13th, and went and you know for seven weeks straight. Mm. Mm. And and then the last chemotherapy was a week after that. So you're well into spring then. What year was this, John? 19. And 2019. Got it. Yeah. Wow. My goodness. Yeah. I and, take... uh, so, um, so it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I had the feeding tube for months and months and months. I think I had it until October of that year, 2019. Wow. And, uh, I didn't want to get rid of it. I said, you guys, you can't keep the feeding tube. I said, I can't. I like it. It's my friend. <laughs> it's funny how something like that becomes so yeah. important to you when you can't. But if you can't eat, man, you've got to have the, I, the nutrition. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't, I had no interest in eating. I didn't want to eat. Yeah. I still don't want to eat. Wow. I have no interest. I have no, I, 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 the only thing I like to consume is orange cream milkshake. Hmm. As silly as that is. <laughs> um, 
I have learned to like a few things. I, I've learned to like, um, uh, lately I've eaten granola cereal. Um, mm. uh, but all the stuff I used to enjoy, I don't eat anymore. You know? So mm. it's just, just really shit. My taste buds have changed and my swallowing because of the lack of saliva yeah. has changed. So, so eating's not um, a big priority with me um, at all. How soon did you start and, uh, singing concerts again, John? My first one back was May of that year. Right, okay. when, right after treatment stopped. Wow. So in 2019, I, uh, it's, it, had, all, it all started in January, and you're singing in May. Well, I sang two songs. Or maybe just one. Maybe just one song. Um, I had a, an engagement at Blue Mountain College in Arkansas to speak. They wanted me to come and tell my life story. Mm-hmm. My my faith journey, and this is and that was and this was booked a year in advance. This is long before cancer, and so my management wanted to change it. They wanted to they they like oh they looked at my calendar. I went, oh my gosh, you still got this date on the books? And I was like, no, I don't. They wanted to cancel. I said, no, 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 I I need to do this. Mm. I need I need a goal because they had canceled all my regular dates, you know. The regular dates that were on the calendar, but they'd cancel all that stuff because they knew I, I could, I wouldn't be able to do it. But that one was still on there. So that, that and that kind of became my life goal at the moment, you know, to, to get to that date and to be able to go do that. Gave me something to look forward to and to plan for. Mm-hmm. So I went to the uh, Blue Mountain College. It was for it was a, a uh, uh, supporters of the college, a dinner for them, and. Um, uh, so I, I went and I, I told my story. Of, and of course, my story had extended a bit at that point, and uh, had, had a new chapter. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I sang "Your Love Amazes Me." So. Uh, what a great song so, that is, and it is so meaningful. And what a what a monster hit for you. Uh, I'm talking today to John Barry. He's got a new album that's out called "Find My Joy." It is a faith-based, and it really does talk about the journey, and you've got some wonderful hymns like what you loved when you were young, but it's also full of other music as well, including this song, Find My Joy. And I understand this song was given to you by a songwriter by the name of Steve Dorff, right? Yes. Um, my manager also represents Steve. And your, your, your listeners may not know Steve, but more than likely he has written songs that are part of the soundtrack to their lives. Isn't that He's written something? songs for Kenny Rogers and Barbara Streisand and Celine Dion and oh, an endless list of people. And uh, Brian had sent me that song while I was recovering from cancer, and I couldn't listen to it. Uh, Find my joy, what joy? Mm-mm-mm. I had I, I had I, I had nothing. I had no emotion at all. I was just like a shell of a person. Mm-hmm. And and. And as a believer in Christ, it was the wrong attitude because I was trying to find my joy in my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And we can't find our joy in our circumstances. If we all look at our circumstances, whether it be uh, I've got a wayward child or my parents' health is failing or they passed away or um, my living conditions are not what I want, uh, I my job is awful. This is not the career I wanted for myself. And my, my husband's lost his job, and 
I can't find a job. And if we live trying to find or join our circumstances, there's not going to be much. And that's right. I love the old saying, happiness comes from happenings, but joy comes from the Lord. And we'll hear more from him in a moment, but let's listen to this song. This is John Barry and Find My Joy. Unfortunately, due to internet licensing restrictions, we're not able to play this song. That is the title cut to his new album. That is John Barry. He's going to be at the Orange Blossom Opry in Weirsdale on the 13th of August. We'll be back with him in just a moment. If you are nearing 65 years of age and need to compare Medicare supplement plans, here is great news. You can speak to a licensed professional independent insurance agent at Affordable One Insurance in Orlando. You'll find them to be so trustworthy and helpful. And at Affordable One, there is no cost or obligation for your call. Comparing plans can be confusing. Get the help you need at Affordable One. Call 407-965-4166. That's 407-965-4166. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Back again today for segment three with John Barry, country singer John Barry. The music that he has sung, it's earned him a Grammy Award. And you mentioned in the last segment a phrase that I really loved. You talked about the writer for Find My Joy, Steve Dorff, having written songs that make up the soundtrack of our life. Really, it, music becomes that, doesn't it? Music becomes kind of the the way that we remember events, the way that we... Uh, think about years. We A lot of people have associate different seasons of their life, years included, by just the songs that they associate with that. It's very important, isn't it? It really is. It's an amazing thing how uh, you, you can hear a song and all of a sudden it takes you, it whips you back in time to uh, a, a moment in your life that you hasn't haven't occurred to you in 10 years, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can, it just it just brings back just incredible incredible uh, memories of of uh, certain moments in your life, and it, it, it's pretty it's amazing how it triggers that. It's funny. I, I've uh, I've experienced this before. I can even my other senses like smell. I can think of 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 just things that happened at an event, like going to a carnival, hearing a song will remind me of being at a uh, the fall festival and suddenly I can smell the smells of that fall festival event in Evansville, Indiana. And that, that happens with music. It just releases the emotions to a major way. Yeah, it really is incredible. 
It really does. Now, you uh, one thing that uh, you mentioned, you said you were recording the Thomas Road album, and I heard you say earlier that you you kind of grew up that that was that was uh, significant. Thomas Road had to do with your area where you lived as well, right? Yeah, Thomas Road is where I, I lived from eight years old to thirteen years old, and that's where I really found my love for music. And yeah, it was pretty incredible, it's an incredible time in my life. Wow. John, when you look back on your life and all of the music, what events stick out to you, apart from this obvious thing that happened in 2019? But before that, what events, when you look back, would you say, yeah, God was really watching over me during that season? What would that be? Well, it's funny how you can think that things in your life when you're young like that, or at any time in your life. But at that time, I was young during that season, and, and, and you think it's the worst thing in the world that we're moving changing high schools. I'm never going to see my, my friends again. My whole world moving to a whole other universe. And it was the worst thing in the world. It was the it was horrible. Ended up being one of the biggest blessings ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. And I, I think that's, I think it's, you know, there, there's a song on the record called Blessings that talks about that, and, you know, about how uh, how we, we take moments in our life that are that we think are gonna, it's going to end me. You know, it's going to it's going to end everything, and it ends up being the greatest blessing we ever could ever imagine. And there's a line there. So, what if my greatest my greatest disappointments, or the, or the aching of this life, is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? Ah, oh, that's great. You mentioned uh, in this article that I read about your wife sneaking up while you're still in recovery now. You're singing up in uh, your music room, and she sneaks in and apparently does a little bit of recording when you weren't aware of what was going on. Tell us that story. Yeah, I was, it, was, it was after uh, it was when I was going through the recovery time from the throat cancer, and, and, and I had just been plucking around on a guitar and, and, and sort of humming along, and I, I just started singing a little bit of a song called The Richest Man. And she heard it, and she just grabbed her camera and, and snuck around and got to a place where she could record it. And just, uh, I, think it's, I think it's more just audio than, than video. Uh-huh. And, um, and uh, without me even knowing it, she shared it and, and put it out there for our friends to, to hear. And she was so excited to, because I mean, you, you know, when you're going into something like that, um, there, there are certainly concerns. Is what, what's it going to do? What's it going to? Yeah. How's it going to change? What's it going to do to my voice? And will I still have a voice? Because the, the concern of the uh, surgeons and the technicians and the cancer specialists is to save your life. Yeah. Um, everything else, and if, 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 if anything else is preserved along the way, that's great. But we're after preserving your life so you can live. And uh, so the fact that uh, I was able to sing is, is quite extraordinary. Um, I do have to say that my radiologist, um, who is also uh, knew who that, that I sang for a living, we went in for it was near the end of the 35 treatments. So I guess we were about around the 30th, you know, the end of end of four or five weeks 
or end of four weeks or so. And um, we, we go in, and Robin had not said anything to me. And we're talking to the radiologist, and and she said, Doctor, just that white stripe on John's throat, he doesn't have an infection, does he? Cause, and I had never noticed it. And Doc got real concerned and looked, and there was this clear as a button, this, this white place right across my middle of my throat. And, and it, it had that look like an infection kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, no, no. And, and I understand when they radiate your, your neck or radiate, they do the radiation, the skin gets real brown. It basically burns it like a sunburn. Mm-hmm. It, it starts off red and it starts getting brown. And my neck, by the time it was done, looked like the skin of an old, old football. Oh. It was really, really tough and, and brown and burnt. And um, except for that little white spot. And the doctor, he said, oh, no. He, he said, I knew John was a singer. And we programmed the radiation waves to go around his vocal cords. Oh, my goodness. And so it left a white spot on the skin where the radiation didn't affect the vocal cord. Now, that's the, that's the reason. That explains it. That's the reason why your voice is still as sweet as it is after all that you've been through. Thank God for people who watch over you. And the talent that he gives to men and women to do what they're able to do. Mm. Uh, and, and I mean, that, it's just astonishing to me. Now, just think a few years back, maybe two years, three, four years before that, they would have just radiated everything. That's right. They just radiated, yeah, yeah. And, and now, since I've had my procedures, they can pinpoint it even more so. I mean, that it's, it's, it's developing all the time. The technology is getting better and better and better. And, um, and there was a, a and I, I, I say that because there was a lady that had a tumor in her throat that they could not get because it was it was right adjacent to a main artery mm-hmm. that went directly to her heart, and they couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And now they can, and they did. Wow. I mean, she was she was, you know, she was on that that list of people who was on their way out. And they came back to her and said, "Hey, we've got something new we can try." Mm-hmm. And they took that, and they were able to get in there and remove that, t- that tumor without affecting the artery at all. Wow! So the technology just keeps advancing like crazy. So, John, if you will set up this song from your new album, "Finding Joy," this great hymn, "Great Is Thy Faithfulness." Set set that up. What's the meaning behind that for you? Many many years ago, my dad was down in the Virgin Islands. Um, my dad went out and sat on the beach. Uh, it was a time when my dad was, um, he, he had lost his job in Aikens before he had moved to Atlanta to relocate. He was uh, kind of a, a place that kind of lost a little bit. He just remembered very clearly God telling him, I will take care of you. I will provide all that you need. And that song became my dad's favorite song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. This is John Barry and Great Is Thy Faithfulness. Unfortunately, due to internet licensing restrictions, we're not able to play this song. 
And that was John Barry, who's going to be at the Orange Blossom Opry in Weirsdale. That's going to be on the 13th of August. You can just go to their website and get tickets while they're available, friends, for John Barry. John, thanks for being with us. That's a real treat. I appreciate it very, very much. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.